We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And Oladipo wants it again. Approaching two minutes to play. With Nation and welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace here on PacersTalk.net. We have an action-packed episode for you today on Fox Fridays because we are joined by the one and only Jeremiah Johnson and I gotta start by talking about the awesome win that we just saw against the Portland Trailblazers because when we needed the most the man who has been criticized the most, Miles Turner, comes through for the Pacers in the clutch with an absolute splash down three from the top of the key with nine seconds to go to put this game and these Pacer fans at ease. The Pacers take care of business, winning 106-100 to in Indiana, a game that, while it did not feature Damian Lillard, the Pacers had to have it. And going into halftime, I don't think most of us felt good about this. I mean, Sabonis was in foul trouble, barely played the second quarter, picked up three fouls very early into the game. Pacers trailed by six, but they used a strong third quarter, scoring 37 points to bounce back 
And from there, I mean, it was this was a great game. I mean, the second half saw the Pacers then go on a, and take a big lead. They were up by as many as twelve. Various runs, you know, went on an eight zero run. Just anything they could to to. I think twelve points was the highest lead the Pacers had. But Portland kept fighting back, and CJ McCollum showed. I mean, he is on the cusp of being an All Star on a night like tonight where he might not have shot a great percentage. 28 points is 28 points. Eight assists. I mean, McCollum, he, McCollum and Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. was the guy who really impressed me tonight. But hey, enough about those Trailblazers. And let's start talking about these Pacers. Because as we mentioned, Sabonis, he's in foul trouble, barely plays the second quarter. Well, somehow he still managed to finish with 20 points and 11 rebounds on 8 of 15 shooting. It was great. But Miles Turner, you got to give Turner credit where it's due. Another double-double for Turner. Finishes with 14-10. and 10, While the field goal percentage, it's 6-14. of 14. That's not going to impress anybody. He was big down the stretch. Because at one point in this game, Turner was not shooting too well. I think he was about 4 of 11. So he really picked it up, uh, making two of his last three shots. The last one being the biggest of the night. And Malcolm Brogdon, a guy who struggled from the field, you know, 7 of 20. But he ends up with 17 points, 8 assists. What I loved even more... Just one turnover for Brogdon. And this is all without even touching on Oladipo. Guys, Victor looked more like himself tonight than than I've seen. I mean, 15 points, 7 rebounds, 5 of 9 shooting from the field. Uh, I loved what I saw out of Vic. Not going to lie, got nervous when he rolled his ankle. Felt like that could have been an issue. But, you know, Vic, he's tough. He, He did not let that linger. Stayed in the game. Happy to see that everything was all right. TJ Warren to round out the starters. Finished with 15 points, five rebounds, six of 13 shooting. Another guy who was struggling at one point in this game, but ends up getting it together. Um, six of 13 is never going to impress anybody, especially for a guy like Warren who shooting over 50% on the season. Another guy who took a spill late in the game that I was thinking, you got to be kidding me. There's no way that we're going to be dealing with another injury here. Please, can we just escape the injuries? But everything looked to be fine with Warren. Stayed in the game. Didn't skip a beat. Uh, for the bench unit, Justin Holiday, 3 of 5 shooting. 11 points, led all bench scorers. And then other than that, uh, kind of a slow game for the rest of the bench squad. I mean, McBuckets, 0 for 4. Uh, our boy Jakar, I'm going to say R because I feel like uh, it's kind of unanimous to, Guys, we're rooting for Jakar. We saw him get four minutes in this game. Not much. Was not effective tonight. He did have a steal, but in the end, didn't get any shot attempts up there. Didn't get any rebounds. You know, nothing to write home about. Gogo, we saw him get seven minutes. Was not impressed. Not not ripping him. He's a rookie. Needs time. But we saw Caleb Swanigan kind of take it to him, and that was not encouraging to see. I mean, you even have TNT breaking out the stat. You know, Goga Bataze, uh, one of the EuroLeague rising stars. Luka Doncic was one also. It, it, these guys could not be more different. I mean, the, the rookie seasons are, are very, very different. So let's not bring up any Luka comparisons. I, I think Goga doesn't need that right now. He just needs the continued reps. It'll happen. It's probably not going to be this year. But he need these reps are valuable. TJ McConnell and Aaron Holiday, I thought they were like kind of a bit, a bit of a spark plug tonight. They both finished with you got McConnell plus fourteen, Aaron Holiday plus ten, 
Look, their stats, it's not going to do it for you. Uh, what I did like about TJ McConnell, six points, four assists, zero turnovers. Just just a guy who's always hustling. Aaron Holiday, you know, I thought it was kind of unique about Holiday. Didn't check into the game until about five and a half minutes left in the second quarter. Thought he would have been in there a little bit earlier, especially due to the absence of Lamb. But in a game like tonight where they had mentioned, you know, previously Oladipo's minutes restriction was going to be lifted, but then he's battling the back injury. We saw him play 26 minutes, and I think that that was more than enough. There's no need to push the guy. I mean, a back injury is an injury that tends to linger. Uh, but this Pacer team from the field, 44%. Not great, but, you know, Portland actually outshot them. The Pacers struggled from three, but Portland struggled from three as well. Um, but I did think what they did a much better job is the Pacers got to the line tonight. 18 of 23 from the line. That was one thing that Aaron Holiday did do well tonight. He got to the line four times. He hit all four. So I was happy with that. Sabonis gets to the line, five appearances, goes four or five. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, Vic had four or five. He was four or five from the line. So just overall, the team, they shot well. I mean, it, it's it sounds a little bit like nitpick, you know, nitpicking, but Brogdon, two of three from the free throw line. He's shooting 89%. It's 11th best in the league. But I don't I feel like we've gotten spoiled where we've come to feel like Brogdon should hit every free throw in the game but whatever hey yeah i just felt like this was a guy who was shooting over 90 percent. it's at 89 so who who am i to complain but at the same point i just want to sometimes i get you know a bit greedy and i just want this pacers team to not leave any meat on the bone and a night like tonight they out rebound portland which i thought was great because hassan whiteside is a beast on the boards i mean he finishes with 18 and 16 uh, four blocks. I mean, at time he, he made his presence known. At times, he was he was rejecting pretty much everything, as if you had the wrong address on a letter because he was sending everything back. But Whiteside, he just doesn't do it for me. There's just still something missing with him because if he was doing this every night, hey, he'd be an all star. But there, there's just I don't know. There's something about not doing it as many wins. But overall, a game that you really wanted to see the Pacers have it. Because as Alex Gold and I, we mentioned on the last episode, that Charlotte game, it it almost came too easy to the point where you felt like the Pacers weren't tested enough in that game. Well, they were tested tonight against Portland, and I feel like they responded because Portland goes on an 8-0 run late in the game. I'm talking under two minutes left. They cut it down to 103-100, and... If Miles Turner misses that three-pointer, you don't know what's going to happen. C.J. McCollum, he's a really good three-point shooter. You never know if he's going to unload. I mean, that could go in. It could not. He Tonight, chances are probably wasn't going to go in 3 of 12 from three-point land. But come on, we're not going to count McCollum out if he only needs to hit one three-pointer. If it's the next one, you never know what's going to happen with the next one. But overall, I felt like, look, there's no Damian Lillard. Let's be honest, guys. Lillard dropped 50 on the Pacers last time. Chances are if Lillard plays, it's a completely different game. But we have no control over that. We weren't the ones that hurt Damian Lillard. So it's nothing that all we can do is be ready to play. And I think that that's what the Pacers did. They made the second half adjustments, and it makes all the difference. Because at halftime, this Pacers team, ugh, 43 points 
I thought that that was disgusting. I, I had to take a second look because I, I was thinking, you know, maybe they, they gypped us of a point or two. Nope. It was 43 points. So to score 37 points in the third, that's responding. I don't know what Nate said to this team, but they looked different in that third quarter. And guys, after a slump, the Pacers have won four or five. I get it. Giannis didn't play in that Milwaukee game before the All-Star break. Damian Lillard didn't play in this game against Portland. Devontae Graham didn't play against Charlotte. You beat the Knicks, but... Guys, this is, we can't control that. We got to win what's on the schedule. And that is exactly what the Pacers did tonight. So, was very happy to see that. But I think you're going to enjoy what's coming up next because we're bringing the one and only Jeremiah Johnson to you. What is going on, everybody? We want to welcome friend of the show, Pacers sideline reporter for Fox Sports Indiana, and one of the freshest guys that I know, Jeremiah Johnson. JJ, what's happening? Tati, great to talk with you. I've enjoyed some of your uh, podcasts throughout the season. Love your enthusiasm, and I uh, appreciate that you uh, give shout-outs to the wardrobe. It's like you and you and Bill Baino, I know I can always count on a compliment, or maybe an occasional compliment from Baino, but I always have your, your props. Exactly. You never know what's coming out of Baino's mouth. I mean, I know he criticized your, your suit game a little bit, but I love it. We had Eddie Gill on the show a month ago, and I asked if your suit game was putting pressure on him. And he denied it, but JJ, I don't know. I think you're putting the pressure on him. I will say I listened to that podcast and i thought he was kind of feeling confident about his own wardrobe that he didn't need to feel the need uh to step up to me and i will say there have been times i i get to the fox loft for the pregame show and i take a look at eddie and i said maybe i need to step my game up because i think he is he's really brought it this year he's done a great job with the analysis but even the wardrobe as well and and i can't pull off the bow tie like eddie can either so uh, i'm impressed with all of his work both uh with what he says and how he looks Hey, he's keeping on your toes. I can't pull off the bow tie either, so he's got both of us beat. But, JJ, tell me, it's got to feel strange going to the stadium on your night off with TNT, uh, the crew, handling the game tonight. I mean, what's that like? Yeah, all day long I kept looking at the clock, and on a regular game day, whether it's home or on the road, there are certain times where I want to have this amount of research done or I want to have my pregame scripts written, and then I kind of, work towards some of the in-game storylines and maybe listening back to the interviews. And really, to be honest, even though I'm, I'm paying attention to the Blazers, there's really not a need to be as in-depth tonight. I'm just going to kind of enjoy the game, take some notes, and, and be ready to broadcast again on Saturday. So there were times throughout the night where I was I kind of got in the cold sweat. It's almost like I was having a dream where I, oh, wait a second, I forgot to do this, and maybe I'm supposed to be at the field house now. And as I'm talking with you, it's about two hours before game time, and I'm actually uh, just sitting in the parking garage ready to go in. And I don't have really any need to be in there other than to, you know, say hi to some folks and, and maybe get some popcorn and be ready to go. So it is an odd feeling. I'm glad we get to do most of the games. But if the occasional one is on TNT and, and more fans can, can see the Pacers across the country that way, I'm all right with it, and it'll be nice to have a different perspective tonight. Hey, definitely. Just lay back and, and enjoy the game. There's not going to be any Damian Lillard tonight, so hopefully the Pacers can pick up a win. We also have Victor Oladipo returning, so that's going to be exciting. 
But this Pacers team, they've battled injuries for most of the season, whether it was Vic or Brogdon with an injury here or there. We've barely been able to see the projected starting five of this team, only a handful of times. Do you think the front office is looking elsewhere at all to address the loss of Jeremy Lamb, or is it just a next-man-up mentality? I do think that they were deep enough that when everyone was healthy prior to Jeremy Lamb getting hurt, that they had good, productive, quality players that were out of the rotation. So now, if everyone else stays healthy with the exception of Jeremy Lamb, then then Aaron Holiday would seem to be someone who could get some playing time. And even, I think in some situations, you could have Justin Holiday playing more too and maybe play Jakar Sampson because in the limited playing time that he's had, he's shown he can be a difference maker. He can make an impact in that second unit. So depending on what the opposing second unit looks like, you could go that route. I don't see the need right now to supplement the roster with anything else. If you did that, first of all, you'd have to cut someone who's currently under contract. And I don't have all of the cap dynamics and the specifics that would be required to do that. And honestly, it's a 15-man roster where even though a guy like Alizé Johnson is not playing, he's still a part of that team. And so I think it'd be tough to do that. And you'd, to me, you'd have to have another injury or two to need to go to go down that road or just have a stretch of really poor play, which they haven't played great, but they did bounce back nicely from Toronto. So I have no inside intel on, on the front office and what they might be doing. I mean, by the time that there's, who knows, maybe they could have made a change. And I, I do think that they are, think they're always looking, but I can't see it being imminent. JJ, you named two guys that I got a big soft spot for in this team and Alizé Johnson and Jakar Sampson. And I do like the idea of Justin Holiday playing more of the two and Jakar Sampson getting some minutes at that backup four role. Because, JJ, I feel like he's produced like 99% of the time he's been called upon or given extended minutes. So I was just kind of wondering if you think that Nate is going to allow Jakar to get a little bit more minutes. Because, as Jakar mentioned, he's juiced up when he knows he's playing and he's backing it up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be smart and careful with how you use Jakar, and I think he's not someone you want to have in there for 10 minutes at a time. But given the the right matchups and the circumstances, you know he's going to be able to rebound. You know he's going to be able to provide intensity and you know energy, which at times, let's be honest, has been a little bit lacking on this team and maybe a little more size than what you had if Justin Holiday's playing the four. So um, I think that Justin Holiday can – it's great that you have someone like him. It's almost the C.J. Miles role where C.J. Miles could play the two, he could play the three, he could play the four. Justin Holiday the same way and give him a lot of credit for how he has done as the four. But the way he's shooting, he, he's a two also. So I do think that the preference would be to let Aaron Holiday have those minutes and to be a spark with the second unit. But even before the All-Star break, remember one of those games, and I don't remember the specific one, I think it maybe was the Brooklyn game, maybe it was prior to that, where Aaron had a bad first half and Edmund Sumner came in. So if, if Aaron's not providing any scoring and he's maybe careless with the basketball, then I could easily see, even within a game, he's taken out, Justin goes to the two, Jakar plays the four, or even Edmund Sumner gets into that rotation. So I do like the fact that Nate McMillan has been flexible with his rotations, and he's made changes in the game. And I would not rule out Jakar Sampson being a part of this team over the final month, month and a half, a, a difference maker on the court. It, definitely excited to see how this unfolds. And the leash on Aaron Holiday has been short at times. I think it is such 
poor timing that Edmund Sumner is banged up right now because I really feel like this was an opportunity to get some minutes, especially in that Charlotte game where we saw you know Brian Bowen getting in the game, TJ Leaf, a few other guys that we're not seeing as often. But when you talked about the energy that the team came came out with against Charlotte and what Jakar Sampson brought, I felt like that Pacers team came out motivated with a sense, a true sense of urgency against Charlotte following that Raptors loss, you know, the 46-point loss that we want to forget about. Do you think that they can carry that urgency moving forward, or was that strictly like the next game, we got to bounce back, we're embarrassed of what we saw? I want to see that night in, night out. It's the big question, and that's why when I had my podcast with Pat Boylan earlier this week, I said I really think these next two games will tell a lot of, a lot about this team and really what it's capable of because if you can't build on what you had Tuesday and and carry that over into a home game that really appears winnable it won't be easy but it's a very winnable game against Portland the same can be said for Cleveland on Saturday take care of business bring the energy and those are two wins and then all of a sudden you've got three straight and basically what maybe five out of six or six out of seven I mean things start to look a lot better and you can forget about the Toronto game but if you have a letdown and you prove that Charlotte was an anomaly and you don't have energy and all of a sudden Portland's up 15 points on you, then really, can you have great optimism about a, a playoff run? Because a good team's not going to do that. Now, I will say it's that time of the year when Pacers fans get frustrated about a six-game losing streak or just kind of the poor game against Toronto. You just kind of have to look around the NBA and know the Pacers are not the only team that is dealing with this right now. Utah, a month ago, was maybe playing the best basketball in the NBA – no one could say a bad thing about the Miami Heat and the Philadelphia 76ers. They have not had a great year, but they still were, were deemed to be at least Eastern Conference finalist contenders. And those three teams specifically are really struggling, probably more than the Pacers even are. And if you get on their fan base's Twitter accounts and or read the comments to a team-posted message, it's fire Eric Spolstra or, you know, Quinn <laughs> Snyder doesn't know what he's doing. So I do think everyone needs to take a step back. You get frustrated. I understand that, and I appreciate the passion. But if you can put something together these next couple of weeks, I think you can kind of forget about what happened in early February. I completely agree, because a team like Philly, I mean, now they're battling injuries. We've seen Embiid and Simmons get hurt. I mean, they have road struggles. We've seen Miami hit, hit a point. So it's true. I mean, everybody is going through this at one point in the season. With under 25 games left, though, you're wondering when can the Pacers really – put their best foot forward, and get go on a run. But when you're talking about fans kind of having emotions high and low, JJ, is it crazy that fans are kind of hoping for the sixth seed so the Pacers avoid Milwaukee until the conference finals? When, uh, you know, that would mean that you might face a hot Raptors team that beat us 3-1 to one in the series, a recent thrashing in the past game. Instead of just trying to get the best possible seed and maybe play a Miami or Philly in a four or five matchup, I mean, is it crazy to want the six seed? Uh, I think so. It's kind of like an NCAA tournament team saying you'd rather be a 12 seed than in the 8 9 game because you don't want to play the one seed at the second round. And I, I can actually buy into that notion maybe even more than what you're saying from the Pacers' perspective. There's, there was one time in the last couple of weeks where I maybe thought that for a second and then I caught myself because what is what is the goal for this team this season I'm not sure that if 
if we're going to be completely honest, that this is the year where it's a finals run or a, an NBA title. I think that this team, though, really needs to experience success in the postseason, win a series, advance to the second round, and build a little bit of momentum. And to me, the best chance to do that is to get to that four seed, to have home court advantage, and to play a team in the five seed compared to being the six seed and to play a three seed. Because no matter what happens, and you could say maybe Philadelphia, if they were the five, is a better team than Toronto or Boston if they were the three. I don't buy that because automatically you're going into the playoffs. If you're the five seed, you've probably won, let's say, most likely it's going to be five to seven games less than whoever the three seed is. And they're having more questions. They don't feel as good about themselves. They're a little more breakable. Think about last year. The Boston Celtics were the four. The Pacers were the five. If Indiana wins that first game like they were in position to do, I think they win the series. I mean, I think that Boston was kind of at the point where if they had enough to go wrong for them early in that series, they would have fallen apart. And that's kind of what happens when you're taking on a four seed or a five seed. But you're playing a two or a three seed. Those teams have had a good enough year that they have confidence. They have chemistry, usually some cohesion. And they think that they're better than a six seed. So I still would rather be in that four or five game. Definitely if you could be the four and have home court advantage. And I wouldn't be so consumed with, oh, well, you'd rather play Milwaukee in the third round instead of the second round. Because I, I'm not sure that I fear them any more than Toronto, even though I do think that they are the best team in the Eastern Conference and probably in the NBA. But I, I'm completely just focused on getting the best seed, going into the playoffs, feeling good about yourself. Because if you get to the four seed with where things are right now, I think you can't help but have some momentum. If you kind of just limp in as the sixth seed, I'm not sure you have any of that. So I guess that's where I where I stand on that discussion. No, fantastic point because I, I'm of the mentality, just try and win as much as possible. And let's see how the standings shake out. And when we're talking about a team like Philly and Miami, it's night and day at home compared to on the road for those teams. And if you can get home court advantage as a fourth seed, I think it can go a long way. And I think winning a playoff series would have this team, not to copy Jakar again, it would, they would be juiced up going into the offseason because you're thinking about Oladipo missing half the season. You're thinking about the lamb injury. You're thinking about young guys like, like Aaron Holiday and Goga being able to take the next step. You know, Brogdon, who in the beginning of the year was playing like an all-star. So I feel like, man, if you could win a playoff series this year, it would go a long way to the outlook of this team. But, you know, as, as we're winding down over here, I, I just feel like, Who's the team that you feel more comfortable playing in the first round out of a Miami or a Philly? That's a tough one. I think I'd, uh, I think I would choose Miami only assuming that Philadelphia is at full strength because Mm -hmm. I think with Simmons and Embiid, they had enough playoff experience last year and they have maybe more top level talent than the Heat. I'm not sure about second units in depth, but I don't think in the playoffs depth is as big a deal. So if you're going to tell me that Philadelphia is completely healthy and Miami is as well, I'm going to say maybe you'd prefer to play Miami because I don't think some of those guys have proven it in the playoffs. Now, if you just look at the last couple of weeks, you'd think they're both ripe for the picking, right? But I tend to think they'll both get a little bit better as you come along. And, and, And I guess the last part that is completely selfish if I'm going to spend uh, games one and two or games three and four in the same city and have three or four nights, I think I'd just as soon be in Miami than Philadelphia. I like your style. 
Can't go wrong with that. <laughs> Miami I I is think, a fun a fun place. Think, here's what I think also. I, I One of the things about LeBron James going to the Western Conference, initially I was, you know, all right, get him out of the East. But then I was a little disappointed because I felt like at some point, kind of like the Pacers in the 90s, they finally were able to get over the hump and, and beat the Knicks. I felt like with all the history the Pacers have had with LeBron James, they needed to have one of these series where they knocked off LeBron James. And it doesn't look very likely now with him being in the Western Conference, but maybe they can still get revenge against the Heat because they've had a mm-hmm. tough playoff series against that team, and now it does feel like a rivalry. I can't imagine if it was a Pacers-Heat first-round series that it is not a long series. I mean, fresh the, the sweep at Boston is fresh in my mind, so I want no part of a short series. I want the intensity and the fun of a back and forth. And I think there will be some bad blood and some entertaining games. And I can't imagine it wouldn't at least go six games in either direction. And I think it would be satisfying to experience success against the Heat. JJ, no better words in sports than game seven. And and all you could ever ask for yeah. is a competitive series. And if the Miami Heat, I think that would be a great series. We know the the theatrics, the drama that happened with Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren. It just feels like all Pacer fans would be fired up for that series where, you know, against Philly, when we beat them, I mean, Embiid's been out. They ha- We haven't beat them at their full strength. So you don't really know what to expect over there. I would prefer to play Miami just like you. And, hey, if you get to enjoy the beach while you're at it, then that's just a plus. But <laughs> maybe that's just me. But, hey, JJ, I want to thank you for the time today. I know uh, you know you really managed to fit this in. One of the hardest workers out there on his off day making this happen. So tonight, make sure you enjoy that game and let's get a Pacers win. All right, Fachi, appreciate uh, the hard work and all the uh, content you guys continue to put out. I know the Pacers fans enjoy it. I sometimes have a hard time, um, you know, figuring out how Pat and I want to discuss uh, sideline guys once a week, and you guys are doing it. Uh, multiple times in a week so so keep up the good work as well and we appreciate the support means a lot hey i'll always be supporting you have a great night all right thanks Fauci. get some facts and come back and see so get your facts straight you want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! For my Fauci fact of the day, it is when Aaron Holiday logs 15 or more minutes, the Indiana Pacers are 28-15 and 15 on the season. Over that span, he's averaging just over 11 points per game, shooting just over 50% from the field, and I don't think you're going to complain one bit about a 28 and 15 record and ah, just missed it but holiday logged just 14 minutes against portland otherwise we could have tacked another win onto that stat would have made the pacers 29 and 15 when holiday aaron holiday that is plays 15 or more minutes nearly double the wins as losses that's gonna have you in some really good standing at the end of the season if it equated out for the full year of course But I feel like the loss of Lamb creates just such a huge opportunity for Aaron Holiday to truly be the sixth man on this team. 
and even Kana, if he's able to deliver, cements his role as the sixth man next year, expecting that Lamb's going to miss most, if not all, of next season. So, look, at times we know that the leash has been short on Aaron Holiday, just as Jeremiah Johnson and I were talking about earlier, but you can't stunt his growth. I truly believe in Aaron Holiday. I think he could be a really good player in this league, and I feel like it's the classic example where if the Pacers happen to move him, he will succeed on his next team, and I don't want to see that. I want to see him succeed in Indiana. Guys, he's one of ours. We drafted him. Let's see him grow. And that's something I'm excited to see. Because when you look at this Pacers starting lineup tonight, Miles Turner is the only guy the Pacers drafted. So it would be nice to see one of your own that you drafted, you developed, see him produce and grow. And I think Aaron Holiday can be that guy for the Pacers. So that is my Fauci fact of the day. And I thought we'd transition over to the road game that we have coming up next against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So the Pacers go into Cleveland on Saturday, a team that, guys, this isn't the Cleveland that we knew before. This is a Cleveland team that fired John Beeline. That was a weird situation, but it kind of seemed like the players turned on him and there was no repairing that situation. And now, I mean, someone wake me up if I'm dreaming, but the Cleveland Cavaliers have won four of five since trading for Andre Drummond. Uh, that's a little scary because Cleveland's kind of supposed to be the, bu- the dumpster team of the Central, and now they've won four or five. Well, you're probably asking, have they beat anybody? They beat Miami and Philly. I get it. Joel Embiid was hurt. It's still a win over a playoff team. So you're coming off of two wins against the four and the five seed. I mean, guys, the Pacers haven't even beat Miami yet. So... You might have to give Cleveland a little bit of respect, but why are we going to win this game? Well, I will tell you why we're going to win this game. Because the Pacers are starting to get the mojo going a little bit. All right, now this Cleveland team, they're going to be coming off a back-to-back. They play the Pelicans, a team that's been surging. So they're going to play the Pelicans Friday night. When you're listening to this podcast, uh, the Pacers, they're going to have the night off on Friday. So gives them a little bit of rest, but they will be hitting the road. Um... Andre Drummond, someone who has actually killed the Pacers this year. Um, Someone who he's pretty much done it all. I mean, just going through when you thought you were done playing Andre Drummond because you already played the Pistons four times. Well, he gets traded in the division. Um, The last time that the Pacers and the Pistons faced off, maybe not the last time, but a few different times ago, um... Andre Drummond had 25 points and 22 rebounds. So you never feel good about that. Now let's go on the other games. He had 15 points, 13 rebounds, 8 assists. Uh, also, the Pistons won the season series 3-1. to one. Um, hmm, Well, if that's not enough of a sample size, what about uh, when he had 18 points and 18 rebounds in a 2-point win for the Pistons? Yeah, still not convinced. Well, he also had uh, first game of the season, 32 points and 23 rebounds. Four blocks also. 12 of 18 shooting. So, not a guy I wanted to see again. Also, another guy who is alongside Tristan Thompson, who 
also killed the Pacers earlier this year. I mean, ah, I know it was the second game of the season. The Pacers had the first three games of this season were just a disaster. I mean, straight up hurricane start to the season. Well, that second game of the year saw Tristan Thompson have 25 points and 13 rebounds on 11 of 16 shooting. Even hit a three-pointer in that game. At that point, I was like, oh, come on. What's what's happening here? Tristan Thompson's hitting three-pointers. I mean, I can't believe that this is actually just going to be a thing. And I don't think that it will happen again. But just kind of uh, like, mm, you know, you don't feel great about that. Uh, Just digging up the other time that we played Cleveland. Uh, Tristan Thompson, the Pacers played a much better just seven points, nine rebounds in that game. It was a Pacer win. I mean, obviously, you could see the difference. If Tristan Thompson's going to kill you in a game, eh, you might not win that game. When you hold him to his more, you know, not to say usual numbers, but seven and nine, yeah, you're probably going to win that game. But lately, the, this is a different Cavs team. So, guys, I don't want to overlook them, but let's not act like they just flipped a switch and all of a sudden are going to be a different team. Make no mistake about it, they are a better team. But still, on the year, this is a, a Cavs team that ranks 25th in scoring, 20th in field goal percentage. Uh, Three-point shots made, I mean, come on. They're, they're better than the Pacers, but then again, who isn't? Uh, we're, we're not a, a high, you know, quantity team from three. We're quality. You know, less threes, but we make more of them. But still... Never never has you feeling great about it. They, yes, they are a better rebounding team than the Pacers. That kind of goes without saying. You have Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, and Andre Drummond. It, it actually doesn't make sense. We expected Tristan Thompson to potentially be bought out once they brought in Drummond. I don't know what this experiment is that they're going with, uh, but don't overlook Kevin Love. I mean, earlier when the Pacers won, Kevin Love had 22 points and 17 rebounds. This is a guy who they have numerous rebound champions on their team, rebounding titles, whatever you want to call it. The guy who led the league in rebounding, they have numerous of those between Kevin Love and Andre Drummond. So for the Cavs, I mean, what's been going right for them lately? Kevin Porter Jr. I'm not going to say I got a man crush on him. I'm not. But I made it known that was the guy that I wanted in the draft, and seeing him go at pick 30, knowing that the Pacers were picking at pick 32 due to the Phoenix Suns being a trash organization, trading as TJ Warren and the 32nd pick for cash, I hope that the Pacers would be able to get Kevin Porter Jr. Cleveland ends up making the move. They trade up for him, and I I like that move because I think he's going to be a good pro. Now, obviously, you got Colin Sexton feel like Colin Sexton is an empty stat guy. Why is he an empty stat guy? 28 points in their win over 76ers. Oh, point guard, right? How many assists did he have? Wait, two? He had two assists? Four turnovers? So he had double the turnovers as assists. Hmm. Also a guy heavily criticized on his defense. I feel like this Cleveland team, that they still have just a, a, a ton of young Players that I don't think are ready. Darius Garland, I think he could be good later on, but I don't think that he's ready for this. So I think this is a good opportunity for the Pacers to pick up another win, start to calm the nerves a little bit, 
you know, maybe steal a page out of Aaron Rodgers' book and tell everybody to relax because they're going to be just fine. All right? But I'm with you guys. It hasn't looked good. You think I feel great about beating a bottom of the East Charlotte Hornets team and a Portland Trailblazers team without Damian Lillard? Uh, no, I don't. Especially when you only win by six at home against Portland. But a win's a win where I'm from, and I want to keep stockpiling wins. So my guess, Pacers take care of business in Cleveland. They win on the road. They win by eight. It's not a great win, but it's a win by eight. So I just think it's going to be something where Cleveland sticks around. I hope that the Pacers get off to a better start to the game because that's been something that's plagued them. If you dig yourself in a hole... You're going to need more than a shovel to try and get out. You're going to need a ladder. And I don't know how many. <laughs> it just seems like you, you got to stop digging yourself in a hole because let's not act like this Pacers team is a great fourth quarter team. They're not. It's just simply put, they're not. And a night like tonight against Portland, whew, you were a Miles Turner shot away from I don't know what was going to happen because if that game went to overtime, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't feeling great about it. But. In the end, Pacers take care of business. Like I mentioned, they've won four out of five following just a rough slide. But, hey, everybody, I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you listen to this on your way into work. And you look at your manager and you say, hey, look, I'll be here till 5. But after that, I'm going to go celebrate another Pacers W tomorrow. All right? So, everybody, you could find us on Setting the Pace well, you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3, but you could find us at PacersTalk.net. You could find me on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You could find my co-host Alex Golden at AlexGoldenNBA on Twitter. I appreciate you guys listening to this. I had to do a little late night. Had to hit you with that coverage in the morning. So, guys, I got to leave you with one thought and just one thought only. Let's go Pacers. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful, time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.